0: Heads up, there is some explicit language in this episode. If you've been downtown near the transit center in the last several months, it's impossible to ignore the changes.
1: It's seeming like we're seeing these camps pop up and all the stuff that used to be kind of hiding in the woods all around town is now centrally located.
0: This is Chelsea. She went through a rough evening downtown recently. After talking to her one day in December, I went down to have a look at the camps for myself. Whole parking lots north of State Street have been taken over by people living in tents and under plastic tarps. What used to be a couple dozen tents and lean-tos in quieter areas surrounding the food bank and Union Gospel Mission have become a genuine tent city. At certain camps, the scene is post-apocalyptic. Piled up trash, tarps slapping in the wind, and people in winter coats huddled around steel drums full of wet but burning pallet lumber. But this didn't stop Chelsea and Scott from going to other parts of downtown.
1: We um, go to a lot of restaurants downtown and some of the like bars and stuff. All the shops. It's just like a really magical place, especially this time of year. Uh, my name is Chelsea Perkle and I was born in Olympia and I live on the east side. And I live with my husband, Scott. My favorite restaurant is Denang, downtown. It's right next to the bar. And they're delicious. They're the best. And we like to go to Charlie's for trivia sometimes. And then, like, Archibald Sisters, of course, and Compass Rose.
0: One night in November, Chelsea unexpectedly found herself among the residents of these tent cities. A date with Scott had started off all wrong. But it would be over an hour until they figured that out.
1: We got out of the car and our dog Jake must, so first of all, Jake has to come with us everywhere because he's a whiny baby. We get calls from the neighbors if we leave him at home because he howls. He's a needy dog. But so we just brought him in the car with us and brought him blankets and stuff. And um, he must have jumped out when we got out of the car. Um, so we went to dinner not knowing that he wasn't in the car. And we had our phones tucked away because it was a date.
0: According to the city, in August, there were around 30 tents in the downtown area. Camps were regularly cleared and residents forced to move on. Three months later, as Chelsea and her husband enjoy their date night, there are over 300 tents just a few blocks from where they eat. Ben Charles has noticed the change. He runs a faith-based street outreach operation called Crazy Faith. At the same time, Chelsea and Scott were eating their meals Ben was passing out hot food to people living on the street. We don't
2: even use the word homeless. We just call them our street family. Our street kids, they call me dad, a lot of them. And one of my adopted kiddos came up and he was like, Hey, dad, um, there's this guy over here that has a dog. And he says it's missing. I said, is it not his dog? He goes, no, it's not his dog. It has a tag on it. I said, you know what? Why don't you go ask the gentleman if it's okay with you if it's not his dog to call to get the number and call so he bounced off and he went down he comes running back he goes there's no answer
1: he got out of the restaurant and into the car and realized that he wasn't in the car and i checked my phone and i had all these calls
2: i said did you leave a message oh i said leave a message let him know that someone has their dog and so he went running back off
1: and I got a couple of voicemails, and it was this kid basically being like, this guy has your dog, Jake is here with us, and you know he's safe, and I want to meet up with you guys. But this guy doesn't have a phone, and he's just using my phone, and I don't really know what his plan is. It's, it, it was kind of eye-opening about the way that people living on the street live because this guy couldn't really just wait around for us. We went to the bus station where he said that he would be nearby, and we talked to there – there was a camp kind of kitty-cornered from the – bus station and we went there yeah i mean it looked like the kind of thing that you would see from like national geographic like shanties outside of a big city it was i mean just a whole parking lot full of tents and tarps and people outside just kind of sitting and you know not being very friendly looking it was intimidating you know it was a big cluster of of tents and we didn't want to we didn't feel safe exactly to go inside there
0: chelsea and scott didn't really know what to do So they walked over to Ben's truck as he was closing down for the night. The kid had mentioned the truck in the voicemail. So then Chelsea
2: showed up and said, um, there's someone that has my dog. And I said, oh, I never saw the gentleman that had the dog. I was dealing with some other things. I said, yeah, I said, I have, I have my son's phone number. And so I called him. I said, hey, where's the dog? He goes, I don't know. I said, you don't know. I think they went to, to the camp. I go, there's a million camps. Where, what camp is it? Downtown? Is it out in the woods? Where did he go? He goes, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't want to explain to Chelsea that we didn't really know as much as we thought. And so I said, well, you know, I think the gentleman went to one of the camps and she goes, Oh, okay. Um
1: they were like, okay, so I recognize that it's kind of sketchy down here. You know, we know these people, so we'll we'll kind of go around with you. And they were packing up. They had this huge truck and this big tent and all these crock pots, and they were packing everything up and, you know, taking in their generators and stuff. But the leader of the group, Wem Be Chief, who I now know is called Ben Charles, um, he
2: let's go look for your dog. So we started going to the different camps downtown.
1: Walked around with us and like sent other people from their group to different parts of the city and just asking about our dog and
0: Chelsea and Scott were walking around the same areas. They were too afraid to go to just minutes before. It's dark, cold, and windy. She says it was eye-opening.
1: You know, we were like with these bellies full of fa, and we were in warm cozy coats and I'm like sobbing about my prissy little dog. (laughs) It felt so like first world problems and these people were freezing and living in these conditions and it was wet and cold out and they were like oh honey I'm so sorry I would be broken hearted if my dog was lost and you know we'll, we'll, we'll help you. We talked to so many people and everybody was Really, really sweet.
2: Well, a lot of our kids know us, and so they all came running out. They're like, "Chief, what are you doing? What's up? Are you bring in us extra food or snacks?" And I said, "No." I said, "Hey, we're looking for, we're looking for this dog." And I just held up a picture and and just said, "Hey, uh, go ask every tent." And so everybody just started spreading out.
1: Like I had my phone out and I was showing them people pictures, and they were kind of. It was like where in the world is Carmen San Diego or something. They were, they were trying to piece together, oh I saw that dog. He was with this guy in this tan suit. And he the last time I saw him was over there at this time. And so we were kind of, it was a wild goose chase kind of. I mean, I was with these people for hours, and not, nobody was like, Hey, do you have change or you know, do you have anything to help us? They all just were concerned about helping us find our dog. Then, um, it had been hours and he was kind of like, Well
2: I said, I wish, uh, honestly. I wish that I had great news that we had located your dog
1: It's not looking like we're gonna find him tonight or and I, you know we kind of gotta finish packing up and um, he we exchanged phone numbers and he said um, you need to probably go home and you know get some rest I know it's hard but if, if you can come up with like a poster or something that we can give out to all the people and with your phone number on it and um, I can help you
0: distribute and spread the word Chelsea and Scott thanked Ben and said their goodbyes with plans to come back in the morning. I spent some time at one of these camps, the unsanctioned, really messy one across from the transit center. It was a super windy day in December. I meet all kinds of people. Near the front, there are teenagers moving around with that look, the look of feeling free for the first time. There's a guy in his late 20s, 30s, pacing. He yells out proclamations, but doesn't seem to see any of the people he passes. A young guy is breaking down pallets for firewood. There are heaps of what seems like trash. His clothing and toiletries, they're wet. They may have been drenched in the rain after last night's windstorm ripped away the blue tarp they were under. These are the scenes that the casual observer sees as they drive by. Look a little closer, and you see that's not the whole picture. In the back areas that are more hidden, you'll find older people quietly getting by. I find some that have made a little common area in between their tents. In the middle is a steel drum struggling to burn the damp wood it holds, and a patio umbrella that does not want to stay up.
3: It ain't going no way.
0: Larry looks to be in his 40s, says he's been on the streets for seven months. We're
3: cleaning up right now, this is the recovery from the wind. So this is the cleanup right here. How so bad can... was the wind? Was that last night the wind? Oh yeah, a few days, just whipping, Yeah, whipping Look. A lot of people wasn't prepared, so it's tearing their stuff down, so.
0: Jennifer is huddled around the same smoky fire. She has kind eyes They tell me she wants to talk.
3: I'm doing all right, making the best of what we got.
0: Yeah, how long have you been here?
3: I've been here for about six months,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and this site in particular? Or?
3: Um, no, kind of under the businesses until they let us yeah. stay over in that parking lot and then they had uh, us all move out of there and yeah. we came over here.
0: Yeah, so I, you've been on the streets for six months, you said? Yeah. Yeah. And where yeah. were you before that? Up Lacey. Are you, are you staying in one of these tents right around here? Yeah. Are yeah. you staying dry? Yeah.
3: For the most part.
0: And is your your only heat here is these fires, huh?
3: Yeah. Yeah. You got money for cocaine thing, Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to have something for, you know, inside of the tents to stay warm.
0: Chelsea met scores of kind people like Larry and Jennifer on the night she searched for her dog. But these camps can be dangerous and unpredictable. As I put this story together, there's news of a stabbing on this block. Two people have died in this very parking lot in recent months, though the deaths weren't related to crimes. Despite all this... The residents here that I talk to say it's actually an improvement from how things were.
3: My name is George O'Dali, I'm an environmental technician. Yeah.
0: I sweep the floor. Recording I meet George, who sweeps up around the camp and he's not taking care of his friend Princess.
3: I'm, a, I'm, a cracker. I'm stuck in the crack. Bullshit.
0: Her voice comes from deep within several layers of tarps. She gives me permission to stick my microphone into her cocoon. Princess is disabled and can barely walk. She says she gave up trying to get into the shelters. So you guys don't have a tent. You just have a uh, tarp here. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah, my tent was. But if it got you look inside,
0: or, or it's nice.
3: But I'm working it, working it. Oh, out.
0: hi. <laughs> See,
3: it's like a little cubby hole.
0: You have a nice little hole up in there. <laughs> yeah, it
3: feels safe and it's mine.
0: Are you, you staying dry in that. there? Yeah, I yeah. am. Good.
3: Yep, I hooked it up.
0: It's and, got uh, hardwood floor. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs>
3: yes, it's uh, got some hardwood flooring in here. <laughs> I spent two months in a tent in here because I wouldn't move. Yeah, they, they shuffled us around every fucking day, stole all my property, the police officers, and harassed me every day for a whole fucking year. And I got tired of it because I wanted a life, and I can't accomplish nothing with having to pack my bag up every day and, you know what I'm saying? And they couldn't get me into the shelters with the auto and the stuff I had to go through at night because they wouldn't let me in is wrong. So I spent two and a half, two months right here in this parking lot by myself in the tent, and I wouldn't come out. <laughs> until they got me somewhere to live or something. So now they passed the a law and everybody can have damn tents. But...
0: She said, now they passed a law and everybody can have damn tents. I'm pretty sure the law she's speaking of is the U.S. Ninth Circuit September ruling in Martin versus City of Boise. It might surprise you, but most people I talk to down here know at least something about this decision. On September 4th, a three-judge panel unanimously ruled that it's illegal to remove people from public property if there's nowhere else for them to go. The court cited the constitutional ban on cruel and unusual punishment and wrote in part As long as there is no option of sleeping indoors, the government cannot criminalize indigent homeless people for sleeping outdoors on public property, on the false premise that they had a choice in the matter. This is why Princess has been able to stay in one spot for the last two months. There aren't enough shelter beds for the area's homeless population, not even close. That isn't new, but the court's ruling is. It makes it illegal to push people off public property, like this city parking lot, if there's no shelter options. The decision affects California, Oregon, Idaho, and Washington State. Up and down the West Coast, cities are seeing what we're seeing here in Olympia. As housing prices have skyrocketed, so is homelessness. And where once there was the threat of arrest for those that would camp near the services they relied on, now there's not. This is the main reason the number of tents downtown has increased tenfold. The city of Olympia has set up a much more orderly tent community in a nearby parking lot. They call it a mitigation site. It's not going over well with some downtown business owners. A small group of them have filed a lawsuit to try to stop the sanctioned camps. They say it encourages homelessness and hurts businesses. The city argues that it is the unsanctioned camps that are hurting, and that the mitigation sites are a way to mitigate the problem. There are plans to open additional mitigation sites in locations away from downtown. A tiny house village on Plum Street will be opening in February. Once there's enough capacity in these places, the city believes they'll be within the law to displace the campers at the unsanctioned site at State and Franklin. State and Franklin is where Ben and Chelsea said their goodbyes that cold and windy night without finding Chelsea's dog Jake. We'll pick up where we left off, Ben Charles, or Chief as he's known by some, is heading back to close-up shop for the night.
2: We were only about 10 feet from uh, our parking lot, and I see my two young men just go booking off, and I, and I, and I went, ah, oh, I wonder what they're doing. And someone asked me a question, and right then they come, There, I hear, Chief, and I turn and I look.
1: And when we, when we had separated from them... We kind of did one more loop just around the bus station area.
2: And here they come marching back with this dog.
1: And then we were about to get to our car and we got a call from the chief. And he was like, we found your dog.
2: <laughs> and the dog had needed its medication and was old and disoriented and all sorts of different things.
1: And we didn't get to end up talking to the guy who had him, but he basically they, they said that he was so glad that, to get back in touch with you guys, and he kinda, they kind of transferred the dog to us. And it was really sweet. They, like, put him in my arms, and he was, like, going crazy and licking my face. So they were like, yeah, that, you're his mommy. You know, that's, that's your dog. <laughs> it was really cute.
0: Chelsea has a new perspective as she drives past tent cities these days.
1: There's such a weird blame put on people for being in, like, the worst time of their life. They did, they're struggling and we've done, we've experienced that. They're probably feeling lonely and we experienced that. They're probably hopeless and we experienced that. They have their own stuff to worry about besides finding some, you know, middle-class lady, her dog, but they didn't even hesitate to try to help. And I don't think that most of us could say that. In fact, we're faced with this opportunity to help all the time. And I'm hoping that people realize that they're, they're people and We've got to do, they're in our community. We, we have responsibility for them. And when people talk about the, the houselessness problem in Olympia, I want to kind of shift the idea of that. And the problem isn't that we have to see poor people. <laughs> the problem is that so many people in our community are unhealthy and living on the streets and not getting the health care that they need and possibly in danger and cold and wet and hungry. That's That's the problem that we should be addressing.
0: This is the first episode of the first season of Welcome to Olympia. It wasn't supposed to be, but the topic is so timely that I bumped it up to first in the queue. Welcome to Olympia is a bi-weekly, maybe tri-weekly podcast. It's a meandering guide to the current events, forgotten history, and interesting people of this capital region. Music in this episode is by Olympia's own Esprit, courtesy of Olympia's own 2060 Records. Additional music by Blue Dot Sessions. The ending theme music that you're hearing right now is by local band Skrill Meadow. You can find them all on bandcamp.com. Special thanks to Maggie Sinclair, who brought this story to my attention. Ben Charles' organization, Crazy Faith, can be found every Thursday evening, serving hot food across from the transit center. I am Iamcrazyfaith.com is where you can find them any other time. There are many organizations in the area doing great work to help people experiencing homelessness. Two that come to mind are Interfaith Works, which provides emergency shelter, among other things, and Sidewalk, which is an organization that helps people into permanent housing. There are many causes of homelessness, and the issue is super complicated. This episode barely scratches the surface. There could be a whole podcast on homelessness in Thurston County. I'm sure we'll return to the topic, but the next episode is about a daily ritual here in Olympia that no one seems to fully understand. Five, four,
3: three, two, one. Now pull down all the way.
0: Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your local storytelling fix. If you can't find the show on your preferred directory, let me know, and I'll fix that. Northbound travelers on Puget don't need to stop if they're making a right turn onto San Francisco. It's just a yield, Watch Close for Pedestrians, but otherwise you're free to keep moving. I want to hear your local tips. Send them to wtocast at gmail.com. That's also where you can send story ideas or hate mail. You can find show notes and more info about the podcast at welcometoolympia.com.